Frank over the last couple of podcasts, specifically in the 90 range where we currently are, we've talked heavily about, you know, application architecture, about some of the new architecture styles that are web driven, kind of coming into mobile development. And honestly, our latest episode about how everybody loves architecture is one of our most popular episodes ever. And it seems as though all I'm ever doing is architecting my app over and over again. I got to start with this model. I got to start with this view model. I got my view. I have to do all this stuff. But I actually sat down today and I was getting ready for build, which by the time this comes out, I've already delivered this session. I will be doing it the day of. And I started doing something really cool, uh, which was I wanted to build a compass. So I went in and I dragged some images that created in Sketch into Visual Studio. I went into my code behind and and I said, compass start. And then I just assigned the variables there. And I was like, just rotate the image there. And I was like, well, I had a, uh, a compass done. It wasn't, you know, proof of concept compass in five minutes. And it blew my mind. And I didn't architect anything. And I felt so freed. Are you bragging? <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Well, I knew that you were going to brag for about all of the episode about how you're all about this UI driven development shenanigans Ooh. and how you don't care about architecture. But it was funny when you put that in our topic sheet, because I literally did that thing today and I didn't want to tell you that I did it today because I wanted it to be a surprise because here's wow. what happened afterwards, Frank. Afterwards, then I go, OK, I know if I just demo this, people are going to be like, but where's all the stuff and the data binding? So then, of course, I went through, downloaded my MVVM helpers, did a bunch of properties, <laughs> did a bunch of stuff, and it ended up being no architecture, six lines of code. With architecture, 30 lines of code. <laughs> to do the same thing. Yeah. It was bananas. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. I love this topic. UI-driven development. I put this down because I had a similar story, but let's drill in on you first, because okay. this is fun. Um, yeah, this is... I don't know. I'm not counting lines or anything. It's just intellectual overhead of you wanted a Compass app. It's 2018. Surely this can't be a hard task to do. So I'm very proud of you that you found like, what'd you say? Three or six lines of code, whatever. Uh, Awesome. Uh, I gave talks in the past about um, rapid application development. I like to brag that I'm a Visual Basic developer at heart. (laughs) So this was what I always wanted out of programming was a big palette of components. I drop it into my form and I wire up some events and now I have an app that shows a compass reading. So I'm, I'm glad that in 2018, we're still at VB level points, but at the same time, congrats, because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it made me feel really validated. And here's, I was actually, like I, like I said, getting ready for this uh, presentation that I was giving on doing essentially rapid application development with Xamarin and Xamarin Essentials, which will be out by the mm. time that this comes out. And we have a compass um, uh, inside the, uh, API. And I said, I really want to just see like, how fast can I build a compass application? Cause I see a lot of these demos with react native or with flutter and people are, are going through and they're building all these really applications really fast. And I go in my mind as this .NET developer, I go, well, <laughs> you're just, they're making these throwaway demos, whatever. And then I was thinking today, I go, Oh, well, 
I was actually having problems because my Pixel 2, by building this application, I discovered that my magnetometer, 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 magnetometer. Yeah, let's go with three of those, at least three. The magnetometer, um, <laughs> the, the, that sensor uh, was not calibrated. So I had to actually calibrate my device, which was really interesting. So I went and I downloaded other apps. Little did I know that there are compass applications with millions upon millions of downloads. And I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, these things can't be that complex. Like there can't be that much architecture to it. And granted that different apps scale to different sizes, but it got me thinking, maybe I really don't need all of this crazy ridiculousness to actually make an app and ship it. So I thought what would be interesting to talk about is not only what mm-hmm. I did today, but what does that mean for me maintaining this application five years from now? I love how I wanted to go with um, UI first development, like starting there, and you've just thrown it into architectureless development. You're just like, whatever, man, we don't, we don't need it. It's gone. And the truth is, I totally agree with you. So this is not going to be a good merge conflict episode. This is going to be the one where we celebrate all the ways we take shortcuts in writing apps. But probably, maybe if we're good, we can also talk about why we get away with it, <laughs> like why it actually doesn't matter if you're using a full architecture or not yeah can you describe um, really quick though the what, what you mean between those two things where it's ui driven development versus no architecture like in your mind <laughs> what is what does yeah. that mean because to me i was thinking it was the same thing and then apparently it's mm-hmm. not oh okay well in my mind what the heck does that mean no um architectureless i guess uh, that for me is throwing away the rules and well, let me just tell my story. So I've been trying to write the same app for the last couple of years over and over again. And I usually start at like the data model. So it feels like a good, comfortable place. I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. what the app is, what kind of, you know, what kind of objects there are, what can the user do, all that kind of stuff. And I build up there, I choose an architecture, then I still start building a UI and I'm integrating that data model from the beginning. And I usually get up to about like um, terrible UI quality with a great architecture, but a terrible UI. Mm. And it was frustrating me, just frustrating me to no end. Um, Because I like to think in my most perfect mode that I take the user interface very seriously. I think as a app developer, especially as a mobile app developer, the UI is kind of the most important thing. So I tried a little experiment, and that experiment was throw away all the rules, architectureless, (laughs) and um, just write a user interface that feels good to use that well also looks good for in my case so looks good and feels good and um i i i think of the story it was uh an interview with who was the nintendo designer for mario um uh, miyamoto thank you i just mm-hmm. the name wasn't coming up miyamoto i believe i, I Please, uh, if I'm wrong, Snopes, you know, (laughs) fake news, all that stuff. But um, it was an interview where he said when they were designing Mario, um, they just had a brown square on the screen and they practiced the jump animation and how it felt to move left and right. And that story has always inspired me. And I've seen it recreated in other games, um, uh, Journey, 
they had really primitive drawing and really primitive 2D graphics, but the same idea for the entire game uh, just boiled down to a simple thing that they could play with and toy with so that they could tune that feeling. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted to just obsess over the UI and not care about anything else. That makes sense. You really wanted to, if you had an onion, pull back some layers of the onion of that architecture and get to the core of it, which isn't you can always add layers of paint. You can always add t- new mm-hmm. tiles if you're building a house. But at the core of the application, uh, whether it's uh, a game or just a, a line of business application or anything else, it, it has to do X. And it's really funny because that's how I started building this geo contacts application for all the cloud developer advocates to do check-in. I go, I don't need anything, anything pretty. I just want lines of text on a screen. I want to just mm-hmm. jam and I want to do this. I'm going to worry about the database later. I'm going to worry about all this stuff later. I'm just going to put it on the screen. But I think actually the video game reference is even better because when I watch a lot of my friends build video games, cause remember I came from a gaming background, mm-hmm. uh, they tweet out often photos of, I have this new idea and you look at this new idea and it's a bunch of boxes or circles on the screen. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? You know, but what they're doing is they have this idea and they know that, hey, if I'm going to if 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 the game functionality or the app functionality works at its core level, it's fun to use. Um, it, 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 it makes sense. The flow of the application, the flow of the game, then I'm going to add all the layers on top of it. But if it doesn't work, case in point, if my compass logic didn't work, it doesn't matter how beautiful my database is or my calibration screen is or detecting cal. If the core functionality doesn't work, then guess what? You know, what's the point? Yeah. And just, I I get a little annoyed when people talk in vagaries too much, so I want to make this concrete for everyone. So for me, boiling this down for my app iCircuit was um, not so much can the parts simulate, you know, that's that's nice and all, but what people are really doing is they're interacting with the circuit, they're editing it, they're moving things around, they're rewiring it. That's actually the operation that people mostly do, editing. And so I wanted to make sure that the actual finger experience, finger on a piece of glass experience felt good. And yeah, like a game. Um, and I should mention, if you don't follow, I think it's the Monogame account on Twitter, they do something like Screenshot Saturdays. Mm. And it's super fun. Um, I look forward to it every weekend. Everyone just posts um, whatever demo versions of their current games, you know, whatever dev screenshots. It's, it's, it's just great seeing everyone's premises. I think it's also a really good learning tool. A lot of people getting started with development or maybe come from a lot of other development background. They're trying to think of how to get to the, how to build the finished product. But sometimes it's not about building the finished product. It's about building that initial product, which is not necessarily a proof of concept. It is in a way, but at the same time you're testing out your theories. And, and I, I honestly do believe what you're saying about, um, games makes a lot of sense, but also the interactive parts of it. So for me, it's okay. My flow of my application. I, when I was building my media center, I actually had printed this out on my wall, which was a flow. So I stubbed out all the screens and I just rigged up touch events to all of them. Where do I think 
I would be going, where I'm going to be touching. And I did, uh, this is before sketch or before these programs that I knew how to like do it. I didn't have a designer. So I just took screenshots, put them on a screen, drew arrows in paint and then printed out this thing. And I could see how my application was going to flow. And I was able to do that all without any architecture and just really jam on the UI. And to be honest with you, I really enjoy that aspect of it because often when we're building applications, so much of our business logic, whether we like it or not, kind of has to integrate with the user interface. Case in point, my Compass application, my MVVM version, <laughs> I go, okay, well, I guess I'll just data bind this rotation to the rotation of the image of the arrow to the northeast, south, and west. But if I was directly just using in the user interface, I could use fancy animations. I could use the built-in Xamarin Forms ones and say, I don't know, rotate and do a little you know, linear thing here and there. And I could figure out, you know, cancel it really easily because I had that one-to-one mapping to it. And, and it just made my life a little bit easier in general as a shortcut for me, but also almost delivered a better experience at the end of the day. And why, why does my compass logic have to be architected in this crazy way was what I started to think at the end of the day, uh, in general. Yeah. I, I like, um, I don't know if you said it or I thought of it. It took me, sorry, I drifted there. (laughs) Did you mention like a test bed analogy is pretty great here. Um, where it's not quite a demo because what it really is, is an easy version of the app that I can manipulate very easily. Like you're saying with that direct binding of the rotation, it's easy to change. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, I think it's funny that architectures are often there to solve our problems. That's the whole point of them. But some level they make things harder <laughs> in order to solve all the edge cases and all the general case problems They make things harder. So you have this tight, simple version of the air app where you can super focus on this one element of it. I love it. The test bed analogy. Nice. Thanks. I came up with that all by myself right now. Thank you, Frank. I didn't even know that I did it. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's peculiar uh, only because I do create so many sample applications, I've always thought in my mind that I have to be driven driven this way. And honestly, I remember seeing Jimmy Bogard, uh, who creates Auto um, Auto Mapper and a bunch of other libraries, just great individual. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, I watched him, and I probably mentioned it on this podcast before, but it's worth mentioning again. I watched him uh, give a session at a conference on ORMs, and. I like that topic. (laughs) Yeah, ORMs, but how we in our mind or how maybe other or some companies force the repository pattern and interface managers and everything on Mm -hmm. it. And he got up on stage and told everyone that you need to throw that all away. It's all terrible. You're wasting all your time. And they go, when was the last time you changed out your database? You didn't. You just never did. You never did. And you didn't. You didn't. You're not going I've to. I've used that line. Yeah. I love that line. It makes so much sense. I think we use that too much against the uh, poor IOC people. <laughs> we throw it at them. But yeah. And especially on these smaller apps or something, you're definitely not going to change out the database on your smaller app. I I want to rewind uh, even a little farther back and uh, go back to um, drawing the user interfaces first and like even just a drawing program. I love this advice. I don't, (laughs) I'm of two minds because I don't follow it myself, 
But anytime anyone ever comes to me and says, I have a great app idea, uh, do you want to work on this with me? Or, you know, uh, what do I need to learn in order to write this app? I always say, well, first, just draw out the entire UI. It's the very best place to start. Don't even think about code. Don't even think about monetization. Just get this um, thing that's in your head down onto paper. Now, I think that's really good advice because you do all that planning ahead. You, you figure things out. The reason I don't follow it is I find that I can actually code really fast. So I can I can create a demo um, not as fast as I could sketch it out on a piece of paper, but I can make a semi-working demo that's much more interesting and much better to play with than a piece of paper, mm -hmm. especially when you're doing things with animations and anything interactive. The paper gets annoying fast. So yeah, just write this... Uh, Write this sketchy version first. <laughs> that actually is really interesting because I, years ago, I kickstarted a bunch of these applications where you would draw your user interface and then scan it, and then it would turn your drawings into an app. But that, right. that also just seemed very brittle to me because I didn't actually have anything that I created. And I think there's all of these drag and droppy type components that type of applications that are out there or oh i've built it in zeppelin or something and just export it in and do this stuff and here's a previewer and i've used some of the adobe tools and i go well that's cool i spent all of this time and all of this energy to build and make this beautiful user interface and i've rigged up these storyboard type drawings but what did it get me something that i can only play on my machine <laughs> or it's not really, there's, yeah. I'm going to have to go implement this later on. And who knows if my implementation, I'm going to be forced. Here's what's interesting is you said in the beginning, you didn't want to start with a data model. Well, if you go through all these designs, you're actually forced to be designing and trying to implement what you thought you could create, not what you actually mm -hmm. can create. And I think that's sometimes the hardest part of a designer comes to you and they go, build this. And you're like, I I guess I'm going to be forced to build this, you know, and, and our developer minds think, all right, I have a person, I have a child, I have a dog, I have an animal class, I need all my classes, <laughs> I need all my properties, I need to, you know, I might as well create an interface because I I'm notify gonna, property change, mm -hmm, gonna have all the things all in there. So how was your experience yeah. building this new thing? Did you actually finish it? Like, what are what are the implications of you going down this route to rebuild <laughs> this app? I, I want to save parts of this for the end because the conclusion is I need some architecture. <laughs> <laughs> so the demo, I think, I think these kinds of things just get to a natural size where you start to say, hmm, it would be nice if I actually had an abstract class here. And maybe it'd be nice if some, if this was abstracted away here and there and some other things. Um, so my experience was so good that I was so happy with the UI that now I want to actually turn it into an app. Mm. So I would say I actually had kind of the best experience. But um, I, I want to go back to um, the data model talk because it's not so much that I don't want a data model. Um, I have a very personal problem encoding just to let everyone know serialization mm. it's my Achilles heel. I think about it way too much. I write libraries that deal with it. I write versions of apps that sometimes I wonder if they're wholly designed just to test out a serialization architecture that I was thinking of. 
The worst part is serialization isn't even a hard problem. We have so many options in .NET. It's just like so many options that I get lost in the abilities and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a personal problem of mine. And because it's a personal trap, I often start in that trap. Mm. And so doing this UI first development allowed me to say, nope. Uh, serialization. Nope, don't don't really need it. Memory's fine. Uh, if you're getting tired of adding things to the document, have it auto-generate data itself. You know, random.next is your friend mm-hmm. and just move on. Yeah, don't don't even bother with the serialization part. That's me personally because it's such a dark rabbit hole. <laughs> I almost, I think there are some NuGet packages out there that give you uh, default uh classes and default data so like oh i need a, a like a name i need a, a bio i need an abstract i need i need oh nice yeah i'm pretty sure there are in fact it really brings me back to the old um blend i don't know if you ever used blend on the pc at all for xaml type apps I, I've used it. I, w- I was but never professionally and by far not a experienced user blend is crazy but one of my first yeah. blend experiences was really with mock data because what I could do is I could build my user interface and then for any of the UI elements I could say oh this is an image and this is uh, I need this is just a short line or this is one word this is a whole paragraph this is a, a, whatever the values are and it would generate this essentially it was xml I believe but maybe it was a json file of just blank dummy data and what that enabled Love me it. to do is just throw a bunch of UI on it, see how it looks, see how it felt, and all that dummy data would be loaded into my app, and I didn't have to create a model and have to do anything. It just this are associated with these different bits and pieces, and Blend kind of figured it all out for me from what I remember. I always remember it was a bunch of chairs. It was always a bunch of photos of chairs, and by the end of it, I was like, this freaking red chair, I can't get... People are going to be listening, they're going to be like, <laughs> I know that red chair, is, it's crazy, I but know. these are good ideas to get you off the ground running, and... I honestly, I don't remember the last time I started an application and I had a backend database or I had my entire data model or I had, I had, or I went through and I wrote all the code first to call into that data. I didn't do that. I just said, mm-hmm. I know what my end result is going to be. And in fact, that might be different from my backend. I'll just map that later. And I said, this is, this is what it's going to be. And that's how I start a lot of my apps. I'm like, I don't know. When I was doing the geocontext, I'm like, I don't know what the uh, Cosmos DB database is going to have in it. I know that I want this to be a profile <laughs> photo. And I know I want to, when I tap yeah. on this, and I know that these are my default images. And what I did is I had a a mock data class that would return a person, a Matthew, as Ma- me and Matthew were working on it. And it would return Matthew every single time. And it would mm-hmm. return a list of Matthew because it's okay to return a list of Matthew. It's, it's not really, <laughs> not really important. And I, I did this really cool shortcut because you, you did mention shortcuts in the beginning of doing this type of UI first development was I created a, a single page of my application that just had a bunch of buttons on it. And each button said, go to this page, this page, this page, this page, this page. And I could easily jump around. And it was like this little it was it was uh, like a master mode for my application where I could I could even check different properties to set different um, settings to say, oh, I am logged in or I'm not logged in. If I had some business logic that would enable or disable different UI endpoints. But that, that's what I did. It was it was pretty, <laughs> pretty fun, actually, uh, to just say, oh, I'm, now I'm in master mode and this little test page is what launches first. So I don't need to navigate through my entire app to get to page 18 that I'm working on today. 
Wow. Okay. You said a lot, and I want to comment on pretty much everything you said. So, so maybe <laughs> let's we should start take, back at the beginning. Maybe we should take a break <laughs> then and thank our sponsor so you can unpack okay. everything that I just did. Uh, yeah. So let's take a break really quick and thank our good friend, uh, new sponsor. You may have heard them a little bit in the, the previous episodes uh, in the very beginning, but our good friends over at BitRise are back in 2018 to sponsor the show. Uh, And if you don't know anything about BitRise, Frank and I have been using BitRise for a long, long time because they are a continuous integration and continuous delivery service for mobile applications. A little bit furthermore, you can do more than just mobile apps. You can also do libraries. In fact, I believe Frank uses uh, BitRise for a bunch of his libraries Mm -hmm. because they can build almost anything, iOS, Android, Xamarin apps, hybrid apps. Uh, You can run custom tasks and flow. I love their workflow manager. And you can install .NET Core and you have a full machine, a Mac machine that's hosted in the cloud for you that guess what? You can do whatever you want on. And after you're done, it's all wiped away. What's cool is that not only do they have about 170 open source integrations to help you customize your workflow for any of these different scenarios, but you can write your own. I wrote my own to, to bump different versions, numbers of Android when I was doing all my Android uh, dev over there. Or you can just run a bunch of Bash scripts. Um, you know, If you like Bash and you just want to write it or run anything else, um, you can run Cake in it. You can do a whole bunch of stuff. One of my favorite parts, though, is that They also have a CLI, a command line interface that you can run locally. So they have all of the cloud hosted integrations and delivery services that are super awesome, but you can also test everything locally. Now it doesn't stop there though, because what's really nice about BitRise being focused on mobile app delivery is that they have a bunch of great features that they've been rolling out. Uh, And I wanna talk about some uh, really quick because I think our developers are really gonna love them. The first is, provisioning profiles. And Frank, I know you love provisioning profiles. Mm -hmm. I just had all mine expire and that was a joy. Well, they have automatic provisioning profile management. You log into your Apple account via BitRise. They handle everything for you. Boom. They also have um, Xcode caching. So it actually increases or decreases your build times by 60% by adding these different caching layers. And for the Android developers out there, they actually have a virtual testing environment. And you can do um, automated scripts or just use the robo crawler, which will crawl your application, give you video and everything back. It's super cool. So where do you go to learn more and get started for free today? Well, you go to bitrise.io. Just go to bitrise.io. It's in the show notes below. We think you're really going to enjoy it. So give it a try. And thanks for Bitrise for sponsoring the show. I love BitRise and I love Bash, sir. Don't just like Bash. I love Bash. <laughs> oh my goodness. And you're talking about the profiles. I'm like, yeah, that was terrible. I had to click the button. Ooh, so <laughs> <laughs> I use BitRise because I love their UI. They're pretty good web developers and it's just a joy to use. So much to unpack. <laughs> Let's start with. Um, is this a fictitious NuGet library? Does this really exist? Something that's like a lorem ipsum generator or but better? It's not quite lorem ipsum. It does what? Mm, Stories? <laughs> they, uh, I'm pretty sure there are if some... not, we should write it. Yeah, there are some ipsum text generators, but I'm not... Yeah. There has to be some... I see some ro- uh, rapid prototyping libraries for like person generators and word generators. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty okay. sure that some people at Xamarin wrote a generator class at some time just to give me a bunch of different prototyping. But don't quote me. I really can't find anything on it okay. right now. But we should create this package for developers. It's a developers. good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do like it. 
because yeah um let's talk about that list of matthew <laughs> so totally we all get that list of matthew where you have um you're putting in your test data as you're designing the ui um i just want to make the point that random is always better here and I love random because it allows you to find stupid little bugs fast too. Mm. Like, what if the text is 10 kilobytes? You know, what if the name is 10 kilobytes? Do I handle that very well? And all those other kinds of things. So I love to just, um, if it's not even lorem ipsum, just write a function that generates random strings from, you know, random. It's great. And it, it's also a cheater's way to test your app, fuzz testing. Now, I got to give a shout out to you, who Uh-oh. has something genius, genius. I When I first saw this, I was like, this man is a genius. <laughs> and <laughs> on your website, you have a little uh, monkeys.json file. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this thing is so useful. I use it all the time. Whenever I have an app that needs a little bit of data, just some names and maybe some pictures or something, I point it at James's little monkeys file. And hopefully I'm not doing a disservice to anyone. I actually don't remember the URL off the top of my head. Maybe you'll say it. Maybe you won't. But uh, I thought that that was genius. And I should think to start putting my, uh, more of my own little data sources up on my own servers, like have a list of Star Trek ships, you know, just something to throw into an app while I'm testing it. I love that I- that idea. I That's funny that you do mention that. So I've had a monkeys.json on my website. It's montamagno.com slash monkeys.json. It now uh, is a custom redirect that goes to GitHub, oh. who hosts it. So it, 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 it's fine. It still works. It works. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Well, this is what happened is I was creating tons of sample applications and other applications, and I was in your shoes. So I said, you know what I need is I need at least you know three or four bits of data. So this gives you a single name, a longer name, which is name, location. Details is about a parag- paragraph, like two, three sentences. An image, which are real images. One of them is actually extremely big, I think, too. It's like one meg or something ridiculous. (laughs) Cool. And then, oh, that's not ridiculous. And then an integer as well. So you get a little bit of everything. Uh, that's really funny that you use that. Yeah, it's it's just montamagno.com slash monkeys.json. And I've used it forever. And it's uh, interesting. Uh, I've also seen tons of other people that were doing kind of live coding things. It's like, oh, we're just going to build a monkey app real quick. And who doesn't want to build a monkey app? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And they're good photos. They, mm-hmm. they're, they're very cute. So it, you're always happy when they show up. You're like, oh, good. My data binding work. The monkeys showed up. Mm-hmm. Now I can get back to the rest of the app. <laughs> it's true. It's uh, yeah, tr- That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I think that there needs to be more of that type of data, which is like, hey, you know, I need to do X, Y, Z, uh, starships. I need, you know, cars, I need whatever. And I think that's where this generator could be from, but, but thank you for using my beautiful JSON file. That's now, <laughs> I think it's four years old or something, but it totally works. I'm glad you put it up on GitHub too, because I was just imagining if we did start creating these, what if someone started shipping apps with them and then you get all that traffic to your site, that'd be bad. But <laughs> I do like the idea, even just for personal development of putting it up. Yeah. All right. One last one last thing you mentioned that kind of piqued my interest, this uh, master mode in the app. And I've been playing with the idea of just having all my unit tests baked into the app as well, so that when it's just sitting on a device, I can actually just run all the unit tests. Mm. And that's if, like, you know, they actually deal with system level stuff. Um, that's just nice. 
And so this master mode of being able to jump around to different parts of the app, we all write this. Of course we do, because otherwise you can't do development. It's very annoying. And so I'm thinking, hmm, maybe that is something else I could start shipping in the app, because, you know, there's always power users. And if that master mode makes it a little bit easier for a power user to do something, then why not leave it in? Yeah. Um, I guess I'm not a purist in user interfaces. Like, I, you got, allow the power users to have some fun, too. There was a, an app that we built. It was for a conference, but I thought the architecture was really interesting because they put in this backdoor for demo purposes, but it blew my mind a little bit because what they did is they created a JSON file that by default was embedded into the application as the default configuration for the app. And this configuration had information about backends and not like, you know, passwords or anything in it, but it had all the different online, you know, configuration things. So what they did is they had a, you could tap five times on an image and it would go into this little settings screen that was hidden from anyone. I didn't know it was there and I had demoed with the application yeah. and you could enter a new URL and say load app config from the web and you could change all parts of where all of the microservices and anything and images were coming from. And it just loaded it up and used it. And it stored that little JSON file <laughs> and used that for all of its settings. Like that is absolutely genius from, you know, doing something as developer prod. We do this. I was rolling out a new version of Soundbite and I have, guess what? A development, I have a staging and I have a prod and they all have kind of different settings and different places where they live. So oh, yeah. ideally you kind of need to test that. It's bananas. <laughs> I love how we segued into ultra customized ultra customizability of our apps yeah that sounds like another power feature to have um yeah hot hot loading a config and then what if i put the theme in it and then what if i started putting more ui elements in it it's just a deep dark rabbit hole of things you can start doing too mm -hmm. but if, if you can if you can discipline yourself and draw the line somewhere then yeah let's throw some of this stuff in yeah one of the other reasons uh you said you were doing this rapid application stuff um honestly, just to prove to yourself that it could be done in a few lines of code, so kind of quickly. Um, but the other thing that I like, and I just want to keep getting back to, is um, the interactive part of sometimes you can't really know if an app is any good until you get to play with it a little bit. And draw the line, you'd mentioned um, the scanning apps that could take a uh, Photoshop file and turn them into text blocks and images and all that stuff. I actually think those are a good idea. I mean, why not? Let a designer draw an... I mean, so many apps are just magazines these days with, you know, a few buttons and a few text blocks. I mean, they really should be written in Photoshop, kind of, in my opinion. So I think that's fine. But those apps are basic. They're just kind of browsing. Lots of text, lots of images, few text boxes and such those apps are easy you know so i like to think of like interactive apps games are usually the big one here but the kind of junk i write too <laughs> fall into this where you really got to use them and play with them to get any feeling for if it's any good hmm. interesting i didn't think that i i mean i think that it's a great tool for designers to have uh, I, I think that's the thing is probably for me, I'm not a designer, so I don't end up using it very much. So to 
yeah. when I use them, I go, oh, that's not how this back button would work or this is not how this would work. And yeah, I guess, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm a purist at heart. Oh, yeah. I, I, I like the purest part, too. You know, I'm playing a little bit of a devil's advocate here. So many of them in the world, but one more. I just wanted what was most important to me was that differentiator of um, just, you know, s- some apps have easy data. Some apps have tricky uh, data and UIs, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very true. So you backed some of those Kickstarters. You didn't. You didn't. You weren't happy with any of the results. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, with Kickstarter, the problem is everything takes a long time, and then it never really happens, oh. and all that jazz. You know, so I, I definitely had some. I and there was some really interesting ones, but I always ran into the well. I needed to. I need. I'm draw. I, I when I draw my user interface, I draw things very loosey goosey. I don't. Now I'm actually kind of mm-hmm. forcing myself to draw very specific things uh i don't know did you ever see uh ink to code did you ever see that Mm, i'm not sure about ink oh ink to code that's Mm -hmm. very recent that's uh corrado's project right well it's actually well corrado helped a bunch of interns uh Mm -hmm. in the microsoft garage build this it's it's available on windows it's a windows 10 application that you can download and it'll export android xml or windows 10 um uh, user interface but what's cool about it is that you draw essentially on your on your PC. Here's a button. Here's a label. Here's these things, and you can have constraint systems. It's like a little designer uh, where you draw your app, and then it exports the code. So you're inking, and then it turns it yeah. into code, which is kind of cool. And it's one of these tools where, oh, I, I can at, I could at least draw it, and then get something out of it that was nice for me and run it so it kind of gives the best of both worlds it's it's was you know it's a little bit limiting because it's a earlier iteration uh early iteration up but it was really amazing to see a bunch of interns were like this seems like it's a problem uh and then they fixed it i'm going to put in the show notes for anyone that's uh following along but it's it was actually really cool i did a whole xamarin show episode on it uh i think tools like this are a little bit a little bit what I was hoping for out of those draw it on a piece of paper, scan it. But then what happened is draw it on a piece of paper, get this app, scan this thing, line it up and then act do this thing. And then I didn't really get any extra perk out of it. So mm-hmm. this at least is a little bit interesting to me to just kind of draw and drag some things around and get a flow of my application and actually export it and see it work. So that might be something to look into when you're thinking about this, ui driven first just like hey how does it how does this work you know yeah yeah uh this is i'm glad we ran into this topic because i've been meaning to check this thing out forever and i was wondering why i hadn't checked it out and it must be because i haven't booted up my windows machine in a while (laughs) Probably (laughs) because this is right up my alley um i i love tools like this there was that balsamic sketchy ui thing back in the day and i remember always thinking why isn't this stupid app generating code like where's the xaml output from this thing like am am i really supposed to hand implement this after (laughs) taking all this time (laughs) and so i i absolutely adore this project and anything like it i don't know um i i I would love to see it i do you you know if it does xamarin forms output by any chance not yet no it's on their feature request Ah. i I said you guys you guys gotta do this it's right there i don't know of Uh, course (laughs) and make it an ios app you know Uh, let's do all the things but that's super cool i'm I'm glad you mentioned that i look forward to i'll have to watch a show on it 
That means I have been keeping up on with you. Yeah, I'll put I'll even put a link to the Xamarin Show specific episode in there. <laughs> uh, and what's more interesting about this uh, application that I find intriguing with this ink to code is how it works. It makes me want to build really interesting because everything is snapping into place. So you start drawing a, a square. If you draw a square on a piece of paper, it's probably not going to be a perfect square. But since you're doing it on a computer in an app, it can morph it into the perfect circle, the perfect square. Yeah. So that was really yeah. interesting. I'm a little jealous because um, I, I love uh, inking technology is a little hobby of mine also. <laughs> it goes along with typography and everything. And I have my own little testbed app where I write these little features. Mm. And that was always my favorite feature of taking a sketchy drawing and somewhat straightening it up. I just think it's so futury looking. A little yeah. magical, little Harry Pottery. I just love it. <laughs> it blows the mind. It's like, whoa, how did yeah. you do that? <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> Awesome tricks. So, uh, what's our conclusion here? UI-driven development. Good? Bad? Do it all the time? Yes. Yeah, go for it. Do it. I think every app, there's no reason not to start out with it. I mean, that's not bad in general. I think is the, the interesting part is based on what you're building, it could be right up your alley of exactly what you need for your application. And in fact, you may not need more than that. You may not need to do crazy architecture if you're building a, a compass application, a for compass instance. App. Yeah. And, and it was, yeah, it was really intriguing. I thought that it was, I was like, well, I, I could totally do this for a lot of my applications and not have to worry about the, the cruff because, you know, I'm not building an application that has a million lines of code. If you are building something with a million lines of code, then I guess that's a little bit different of a story, but it doesn't mean that you can't architect the next screen of your application this way, or the next, um, uh, next sample app or next idea that you have in this way, especially I th coming from me and my background in enterprise. I always think about, I think that's what I mentioned at the beginning is I always think about that. I have to do these things, but you don't have to do these things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. The next screen, um, because like I was saying, this this app got to a size where I'm like, OK, I'm going to throw in a tiny bit of architecture, get some organization going on in here. But um, and that naturally gets to a complicated app. So I like the idea of you should still feel free for that next screen. Just start on a clean slate. Pretend none of that's there. And it's just living in its own world of whatever going on. I do worry that this is also us finding another way not to test our apps, but <laughs> as an automated test, as in <laughs> unit tests. But hopefully that won't be a big deal. And um, just on your lines of code thing, uh, maintaining apps. I think that that's the biggest thing when I'm on year number three of maintaining an app. That's my big indicator of whether it's easy to maintain or not is how many lines of code is it. Mm. And if it can be an app with a lot of functionality with fewer lines of code, then it's still easier to maintain than even a simple app with a lot of lines of code. I'd rather take complex and short than simple but long. <laughs> yeah, I always get into that situation where, oh, I need to add... I need to change the method and add another parameter, right? Now I have to go change it in 18 different places because I've implemented <laughs> this interface in 18 different places. And I need to add a property. Like I need to do this validation. I need to make this thing work. <laughs> it's, it does get tedious. That's all. So, Yeah. Yeah. And the languages and tools are good enough now where they're almost as fast as paper. Not quite. <laughs> almost. <laughs> 
There you go. Well, I think we have beaten the user interface driven development into the ground or we've risen it up off of the ground. However you look at it, you decide your next adventure in UI driven <laughs> development, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Smooth. Yeah. yeah anything else you want, you want to talk about on this topic? <laughs> anything else? No, I, I think this is just fun, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's another way to like break, break out your, uh, the grind too can't do bugs all day sometimes it's fun to just obsess over a ui so just have fun with it yeah well i think that's going to do it for this week's episode of merge conflict and the next week we're going to have some really cool stuff coming out of build 2018 uh, but also don't forget to rate and subscribe uh, over inside of apple Podcasts. there's one thing i'll ask everyone i i was listening to tech ride home which is a cool show from tech meme and uh he did this really cool thing which was he just asked everyone using overcast to just share the show on Twitter. And that's actually how Marco figures out how, uh, what episodes should be promoted in the frequently shared uh, section. So if there's one asset I could ask anyone from this podcast, if you're using Overcast, just share it, tag us in it. We will like, we will retweet everything. Uh, we will love you forever. Just go into Overcast, hit share, put it on Twitter, and it would really help the show. I know we ask a lot, but these reviews, these tweets, they all help us a lot. And of course, if you have any feedback, go over to mergeconflict.fm. There's a contact button. You can subscribe on any of your favorite podcast applications, and we will love you forever. And the final note before we get out of here is, Frank, I started another podcast. Oh, my God. It happened. Did, did you get water on you? Did you eat past midnight? What happened? <laughs> These podcasts keep sprouting nonstop. I can't help myself. It's number four or something. Uh, and this one's been in the work for a long time. It is called Nintendo Dispatch. Uh, awesome. It's a video game <laughs> podcast, uh, which I've always wanted to do, uh, coming from a video game background. Me and my buddy Michael, who have a long history of podcasting many moons ago, sit down each and every week to discuss all things happening in the Nintendo universe. So if you're a Nintendo fanboy or fangirl, um, go over to nintendodispatch.com and check out our first few episodes, and and, uh, we'd appreciate that. I'm so happy for you. Well, I'm, I'm happy for everyone who gets to listen to it, but mostly happy for you that you get to geek out and talk about Nintendo all the yeah. time. So good, good job, James. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode. Until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.